by the words of faith. All right, we're heading to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, which says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor has ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Which is to say, man has not been able to come up but by his natural mind and reasoning and logic and intellect and philosophy and whatever else, there is no way for him to be able to grasp what God has prepared for him. He cannot mentally grasp it. He cannot reason it out. He cannot intellectually get a hold of it. It is beyond him. You know, there's a verse of scripture that speaks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. There's another verse that speaks about, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. But God says there are things that he has prepared for us that is so, that is outside of the realm of the intellect. And that is the reason why we're going to need the Holy Spirit to reveal them unto us. Because it says, God, um, I have not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. It hasn't come to him that way. But now sometimes people will take that from a religious mindset and they will go off and say, well, you never know what the Lord is going to do. Right? But that's, but it, in fact, it goes on to say, um, but God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. Amen? We may not get it intellectually, academically, by reasoning or by logic, but nevertheless, God reveals it. But it doesn't mean we can't know of them. But it means, however, that we have to know them by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God reveals them unto us. I have not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him, but he has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. The Spirit which searches all things, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man? save the spirit of the man that is in him. Even so, no man knows the things of God, but the spirit of God. You see, the things that God has prepared for us are of God, are the things of God. Well, how can you know the things of God except, except I can't know what's in your house unless you talk to me about it, unless you show me some pictures, unless you take me there or something. Well, we can't know about God and what's in him and the things he has prepared for us that are his unless he reveals them so they are to come to us by the spirit. Maybe a lot of times they said this is for the, for hereafter. Okay. This is for right here and now. Yeah, yeah. That is also going to culminate later on in verse 16, where it says, but you and I, we have the... It, as a matter of fact, okay, let me, let, let me continue reading first. It, it goes on to say in verse, verse 10, but God had revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all, yea, even the deep things of God. For what man nor the things of a man except the spirit of the God, spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no man knows the things of God but the spirit of God. Now you see, we have received not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now interestingly enough, you will notice it says the things given to us of God not about God. It doesn't even say from God, but it is of him. That's going to be very important because we are only going to know, grasp, possess these things by the spirit of God. What am I referring to? It says, for instance, in 2 
Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, that grace and peace is multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Not just knowledge from God or knowledge about God. Because you, need, you see, you need God himself. You see, it is the unveiling of the life of Christ that is in you that brings all this stuff. It's not just about him. It is of him. You know, the Bible says the law was given by Moses, but grace and peace came to Jesus Christ. When he showed up, he, that's it. The, the, the Bible says there's a transformation that needs to take place within us so that our soul could become like our spirit, so that we could become conformed to the image of Christ. But it says the way this happens, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen? And then it says, and we are transformed and changed from glory to glory, even as by that spirit. So this issue of God is an important one. Because um, as we delve into this some more, to find out well, what are these things that we cannot get by means of reasoning and intellect, but they are of God. They are revealed to us by the spirit. It is the spirit that will unveil them. It is the grace of God that will perform them. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. If the Holy Spirit doesn't perform and bring fulfillment to whatever it is we're believing for and to whatever the word of God promises, it's not going to happen. He has to bring fulfillment. So the issue of, of God is a very, very critical one. Now, backing up a little bit, even to the phrase of we walk of um, I have not seen or ear heard, it will, go on, it will say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 that we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? By faith and not by sight. The weapons of all warfare are not intellectual or reasoning or human, but they are powerful through God to the pulling of strongholds. Now I'm saying that so that we can make a little bit of a separation within our thinking from the philosophy of men, from the, from the, 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 the intellectual brilliance of the human being, because you see when we are in a place where we are depending upon our own brilliance, on our own academic ability, our ability to reason and logic and so on and so forth, we are actually moving into a realm of humanism, where, whereby we humans, we could be smart enough and we could fix it. Amen? But the Bible says that to, to operate in that way is to have confidence in the flesh. Amen? And God don't want us to have, we are of the circumcision that, work, that worship God in spirit and in truth, and we have no confidence in the flesh. We do not lean on our own understanding. Amen? That is very, very important. Because when it comes to the possessing of the things of God, the pride of man will make him think that somehow his intellect has so much to do with it. When in fact it doesn't. It is by faith that it might be by grace that a promise might be available to all the seed. So we have to be intellectual, learn and be bright, but not, be, not, be, not be, have any confidence in that, nor are we to trust in that and as a means by which we are to get a hold of the things of God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 5 says, We through the Spirit wait on the hope of righteousness um, by faith. In other words, righteousness, this oneness that we have with God, there's an expectation and there's hope that comes with this fact that we are one with God. The fact that Christ is in us. Amen? The, the fact that because of righteousness we have this authority and so on. There is a hope and there's a confidence and there's an expectation that comes from there. But it says, it is through the Spirit 
that we wait for that hope. It is through the Spirit. In other words, it's not even me depending upon me and my own intellect, but it is depending on the Holy Ghost for me to even take a hold of and manifest the very things that are mine because of this oneness that I have with God in Christ. You follow me? Again, putting the emphasis to make sure that hey, look, our confidence is not in our flesh, but is in Him. That is what Zechariah 4, verse 6 and 7 talks about when it says um, that your when it says that um, when it says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, say the Lord. How shall this mountain be removed from, from before Jerubabel? Right? This mountain shall be but a plain. How? It is done by grace. Amen. It is the spirit of grace. Not by my might, nor by my power, nor by my intellect, but by the spirit of God. Now I'm saying that so that we can really be in a position of trusting the spirit of God and our confidence being in him and our confidence as a result being in the grace that, that, that he wields. He's the spirit of grace. Amen? So that it's not in ourselves. Because you see, um, Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. What was he saying? He, Paul says, I've come to the place where I have come to this understanding. Now when I'm in a place where I am not trusting in myself, when I'm personally bankrupt, Right? And, and then that, that's when I'm strong. Because that's when I'm going to be able to put my, all of my trust in him. And he said, well, that, uh, for that reason, I would much rather glory in my weakness. So that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Amen? You follow me? Again, we're going to come back. We're going to back up in the same chapter. Because I think we might probably be here for a while. But when we go back further in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, back in verse, in verse, um, back in about verse, verse, for Paul said, look, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in a demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power. Yes. And the reason why I came that way is because I didn't want you guys to be impressed by me and my intellect. Yeah. I don't want you to be impressed with how articulate I am. I don't want you to be impressed because of how much studies I've had. But rather, I wanted you, I wanted you to have your faith, verse 5, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen? Alright, so that's very, very critical. Okay, so let's get back over here then. So then it says, now, so verse 12, so now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? So that we might know the things that are freely given, of, given to us of God. So that we might know the things. So that we might even have knowledge of all things. Now, 1 John chapter 2 verse 20 says, 1 Epistle John chapter 2 verse 20 says that you and I have an unction, an anointing from the Holy One, and we know all things. Right? First John 2.27 says, that anointing abides in you, and it teaches you all things. And even as he had taught you, if you get a hold of what he teaches you, follow his prompting, you're going to find yourself abiding in him, and in the spirit rather than in the flesh. Amen? The Holy Spirit of God is our teacher, and he has come to teach us all things, to lead us and to guide us into all truth, to take the things of Christ, reveal them unto us, to take what belongs to God and show it to us. And that is what that scripture is about. I have not seen it, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered our heart by these natural intellectual means, but God reveals them to us by his spirit. Amen? Now, um, so let's continue a little bit more here first. So verse 13 says, so that we might know the things freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak. How can you speak about something you don't even know about? Huh? 
intellectual, you can't do that. But, it, but yet it says we speak about these things, but how can we do that? We, we bridge things also we speak, but not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Not in English and in French and in Dutch and in whatever language you might know naturally. But which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. I believe that is a direct reference, um, a direct reference to speaking in tongues. Amen? That's not your wisdom. Right? That is not your, that, that is not, you're not speaking according to your own wisdom. You're speaking, you're speaking all right, but not in man's wisdom. You're speaking with the very wisdom of God in the mind of Christ. Now, quite frankly, this chapter here in verse, in First Corinthians chapter 2, and even this very passage here, goes right back into First Corinthians chapter 1, where it was talking about the fact that the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Alright? And God uses the base things of the world, the things that are despised, God has chosen to bring to naught the things that are. And then it will, and, and it says the reason God chose to do it that way, first minute one, verse 29, is so that no flesh would glory and boast in his sight. Nobody's gonna boast and say, God, look at how smart I am. Right? Look what I did. No flesh will glory in his sight. And then, but then in verse 30 it says, But of him are we in Christ Jesus, who is made unto us wisdom. Amen? Who is made unto us wisdom. And the very wisdom that Christ has made unto us, sometimes our intellect don't know it, but we can still speak it. Not with the words which man wisdom teach, teaches, but that which God teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And I believe that's speaking in tongues. Amen? And so it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, but you see the natural man, he does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The man that is not born again, or the man that is totally sense-ruled, sense carnal, he is not able to receive the things of God. And he cannot, and um, he, he's not able to receive the things of the Spirit of God, and they're foolishness to him. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he even know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. Now, if you can only spiritually be able to perceive and get a hold of these things, and the Holy Spirit reveals it to your spirit, and that man is dead in trespasses and sins, and he's a natural man not born again, he's in the dark. It's impossible for him to know. Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born again. Are you a man, a teacher in Israel? Mm -hmm. You don't know these things. That's right. Right? And that's what Jesus was saying. He says, except you be born again and enter into the kingdom, you can't see in there. Right? Except you be born again, first of all, if you're, not, if you're not born again, of the water and of the word and of the spirit of God, you can't get in. Right? And you can't see in there unless you go in. So Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3, and John chapter 3, verse 5, except you be born again, you can't enter into the kingdom, and except you be born again, you can't see into the kingdom. Amen? All right? So the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him because they're spiritually discerned. Amen? And, you know, sometimes that, that causes us struggles sometimes when we're trying to deal with relatives and, and friends and people that are close to us that we care about. But they're natural. They're not born again. And we want to impart some deep spiritual truth to them and it makes no sense and it's foolishness. Amen? 
and, and it doesn't, it, you know, are we trying, are we trying, are we frustrating ourselves? But they cannot be bored, but they cannot receive it. Yeah. It's a hard thing for us to accept, but that's how it is. And then it goes on to say, but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judges no man. He that is spiritual, he can grasp these things. And then it says in verse 16, for who had known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen? So it says we have the mind of Christ. Now, um, the foundation to this whole passage of, of, um, of I has not seen air is not or always ear heard, but it enters our heart by the Spirit of God, is also connected up, well, to why we were born again. It's connected up to salvation. It's connected up to the new birth. It's connected up to, to the sacrifice of Christ. Amen? And um, blessed be the name of the Lord. What was I thinking there? Yeah, okay. It's connected up right back to the sacrifice of Christ. So I'm going to circle around and we're going to end it back over there. How is that? Is that okay? All right, so let's back up to first um, Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 18, which says, The preaching of the cross, the declaration and the proclamation of the sacrifice of Christ, to them that perish is foolishness. To them that perish is foolishness. Yeah. But to us who are saved, the preaching and the declaration of the cross and the sacrifice of Christ, to us it is the power of God. Now, let me introduce an interesting thought here. The preaching of the cross, the preaching of the sacrifice, is the power of God to us. That means, then, we can put it this way. We can say the word of the sacrifice. In other words, if the sacrifice could speak, <laughs> if the sacrifice could speak, then, then, then the words that come out of the sacrifice will be coming out of the sacrifice. You know right? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, if Iris speaks, it's Iris' words. They're coming out of Iris. All right? And whatever comes out, we can attach it to her. It's coming out of Iris. So if the sacrifice speaks, whatever it says is coming out of the sacrifice. So now it says the preaching of the sacrifice is the power of God. <laughs> so, the preaching, the proclamation, the declaration, what is spoken, the preaching of the sacrifice, the speaking of the sacrifice, is the power of God. All right? That's important. Because then if we can get the sacrifice to speak or hear what the sacrifice is saying and we say it, bam, we would have just got into power. Isn't that right? Power. Power to what? Produce salvation. To produce deliverance. Produce healing. How do we know that? Because um, a very similar verse, Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I have confidence in the gospel. I'm not going to be disappointed by the gospel, which is, which, is, which is the sacrifice. I am not ashamed. I have confidence. I have deep conviction. 
regarding the sacrifice because it is the that's in Romans 1 it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen. In other words, when someone and when I word when I say believe it to the ones that believe, that means they believe it, they're acting on it. That word believing is an active word, it's not just an intellectual word. In other words, it's talking about it's talking about the sacrifice, but it's mixing the sacrifice with faith. It's mixing the sacrifice with speaking, just like first Corinthians 1 18 says, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the sacrifice. Right? The, 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 um, the gospel is the power of God to them that believe. Believing the gospel. The preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the cross is the power of God. So this, if you can get the words coming out of the sacrifice and proclaim them, then the word of the sacrifice will be the power of God to produce salvation, to produce wholeness, to produce deliverance, prosperity, healing. And it goes on to say in verse 17, why it is the power of God. The reason it is the power of God is because whatever is coming out, the voice coming out of the sacrifice is the power of God because therein the righteousness of God is revealed. Therein, this oneness that we have with God, the authority that Jesus has purchased by his sacrifice, the rights and the privileges that is ours that are paid for because of the sacrifice, the freedom from guilt and condemnation and forgiveness that comes out of the sacrifice. It is the power of God because in it, the righteousness of God and these things are unveiled. Amen? And so therefore, from faith to faith, so therefore the just, the ones that are declared righteous as if sin never existed, and if sin never existed, yeah, then you're righteous. To be as if sin never existed means there is no consciousness of sin, no consciousness of guilt, no consciousness of shame, or any other such thing. But how shall the ones that are righteous live? They live by faith. Amen? They live by faith. They live by the very confidence. Their confidence is in exactly what Jesus has done. Because don't forget, look at how this flow happened. Verse 16 says, Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, This gospel, this sacrifice, as you believe it, produces power to deliver, to save, to make whole or whatever. And then it says, why does it do that? Because righteousness comes out of it. And because that is the case, the one that is now made righteous ought to live by faith. Will sustain this righteous life by faith. He's going to sustain this righteous life by faith, by, the, by having confidence in the very thing that produced it, which is the sacrifice. Now, that's an interesting, uh, 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 interesting concept, so i got to work on that a little bit. It says in Colossians chapter, we, we know we are saved by grace. True faith, not of works that any man should boast. It is a gift. But it says in Colossians 2, verse 6, um, it says in Colossians 2 and verse 6, 
As you have therefore received Christ the Lord, so walk ye in him. As you have received Christ, the way you receive Christ, continue that same way. How did you receive Christ? By faith. Isn't that right? So, so how are you going to continue living this life? By faith. All right. I'm circling around the wagon and I'm trying to do something and I'm not quite getting it. So let me take another trip. Let me take a different route. Amen? Here's a different route I'm going to take. It says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 that whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. Right? And then it says, but this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. What is the victory that overcomes the world? Faith. faith. Now if the just is going to live by faith, faith is what overcomes the world. So if the just is going to live victorious, it's going to be by faith. What is the victory that overcomes the world? Faith. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You know that verse? Thanks be to God. Let me just make sure I'm quoting it correctly. First Corinthians 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory how? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the victory that overcometh even our faith. Faith produces the victory. Thanks be to God, which give us a victory how? It didn't say faith. It says, through the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? But what does it mean? We have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Does it mean that we have victory because of what Jesus has done? Does it mean that? Thanks be to God which gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Is God is saying, is it's saying that we have victory because of what Jesus did for us. Amen? Well, what Jesus did is called the sacrifice. Death, burial, resurrection. Isn't that right? So thanks be to God which gives us the victory through the sacrifice of Christ. Are we okay? So victory, how? Through the sacrifice of Christ. Victory? How? By faith. Is that interesting? Yeah. All right. That leads to this conclusion. If victory comes by the sacrifice of Christ, victory comes um, by faith, then faith must somehow be equal to the sacrifice of Christ. Isn't that right? All right. Now, if faith is equal to the sacrifice of Christ, <laughs> I could have jumped, I could have cut the chase and go straight to it. But nevertheless, it's, I think the truth is good. <laughs> if faith is equal to the sacrifice of Christ, and if you go check various translations for the word faith, sometimes it's, it's called confidence. So then, let me put it this way, because this is how I got it from the Lord, quite frankly. That faith is confidence in the sacrifice. Amen? Faith is confidence 
in the sacrifice. Say that with me. Faith is confident in the sacrifice. One more time. Faith is confident in the sacrifice. Once more. Faith is confident in the sacrifice. Okay. So now let's go back. So now we go back to Colossians chapter 1. No, we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, verse... Okay, before we go there. So now we go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. That means I have confidence in it. It's not going to disappoint me. I'm not going to get embarrassed. I'm not ashamed of the sacrifice of Christ. Because it is the power of God to unto salvation to those that believe, that mix it with faith. Amen? I'm not ashamed of the, the, the sacrifice. When you, because you mix it with faith, man, you're in good business. Which makes sense. Because if you were to fast forward to Hebrews 4 verse 2, it says the gospel preached didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. So you mix the gospel with faith, profit. <laughs> right? You don't die in the wilderness. Right? When you mix the sacrifice with faith, you get victory. So Paul says now, I'm not ashamed of the sacrifice. It's the power of God to them that believe. It's the power of God when you mix faith with it. And and the reason why it is because in there, when you do that, righteousness is revealed. This oneness with God, this forgiveness and all this stuff is unveiled. And then he goes on to say, and the just shall live by faith. But then remember, we came up with a little definition. Faith is confidence in the gospel. So how shall the just, those that are, that are just, as if sin never existed, that are not righteous. How shall they live? How shall they live this Christian life? How are they going to walk in their authority? How are they going to be the sons of God? How are they going to get their healing? How are they going to live in this place of righteousness? They shall live by having confidence in the sacrifice. Amen? They're going to live by having confidence in the sacrifice. Now, now, you know what the Bible says in another place? You know it says that to, 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 the, to, to one set of people, the preaching is foolishness. This cross is foolishness. But to us, it's the power of God. Amen? It is the power of God. The preaching of the cross, the preaching, the proclamation, the word that is coming out of the sacrifice is the power of God. Amen? The word is the power of God. And so it's going to go on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, look, I didn't come to you with any enticing words with man wisdom. You know why? I don't want your faith to be in anything else. But I wanted your confidence to be in the sacrifice. That, you see what I'm saying? That's what he was saying. All right? So, but I want to, I want to, um, I want to, I want to say some, let me just go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And verse 
So when we look at Ephesians chapter 3, I'm heading to verse 10, but let's pick it up in verse 9. Mm. <laughs> Matter of fact, you know, let's just stop at verse 8 for a little bit. Unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given, that I should preach, proclaim among the Gentiles what? The unsearchable riches of Christ. That's about the sacrifice. Then I would declare and speak this. And you see what it called it? The unsearchable riches. The incalculable, exhaustless, boundless, phantomless riches of Christ and of the sacrifice. Amen? No wonder I cannot see and ear cannot hear. No wonder you can't touch this with your intellect. It is beyond. It's phantomless. It is, it is infinite. It is, it is, it is, it is, um, it is, it is incalculable. Amen? And to make all men, verse 9, see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hidden God. Right? We didn't go over there, but nevertheless, if we were to go back to that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse, 2 and verse 9, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him, that scripture was actually quoting Isaiah 64 and verse 4, which says that basically, I has not seen, nor has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for him from before the foundation of the world. Let me find it. First, first sorry, this is what I'm quoting it wrong. Isaiah 64 verse 4 says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither had they had the eyes seen, O God, beside thee, what he had prepared for him that waited for him. Here it talks about waiting for him as opposed to loving him. But what God had prepared from the way back in the beginning, 64.4. All right? Uh -huh. Right? 65.7. What's that? Oh. Then 65.17. Okay. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall be remembered no more, nor come, to my, come into mind. Amen. So, Anyway, go back to Ephesians now, chapter 3. So it says then, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, regarding the, the, the depths and the riches and the extent and the incalculable wealth of this sacrifice of Christ and, this, and, and of Christ and, and the unsearchable riches, and to make all men see what is the wealth, what is the fellowship, what is their port in this mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hidden God, who created all by Jesus Christ. Now, all of this stuff that was from, the, from way back then, that is now to be revealed unto us by his spirit, even the hidden wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 2, 7, that he had ordained for our glory. Amen? But the wisdom of God is the declarations of the sacrifice ordained from the foundation of the world for our glory, to bring us into this place where we're clothed with Christ, to bring us to this place with the excellency of God, to bring many sons to glory. This declaration of the sacrifice, it is the wisdom of God. It is the power of God. So now he says, 
in Ephesians chapter 3, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church huh? the manifold wisdom of God. So we are to declare to the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. The many-sided various aspects proclaiming that voice, that word, that proclamation that is coming out of the sacrifice. And it is so powerful that principalities and powers bow. And God, that God, God says, that's where the power is, and it was ordained for our glory. Amen? It is the power of God unto salvation. According, verse 11, to the eternal purpose, which he had purpose in Christ Jesus. And actually, if, if you dig it out and amplify it, according to that, he put on a purpose, which he had purpose in Christ Jesus and has already accomplished in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, it's already done and finished. In whom now? In him, we have boldness. We have confidence. Remember, this faith is a confidence. It's a boldness. It's a deep conviction in the sacrifice of Christ. So in whom we now have boldness and access with confidence. By what? By the faith of him. By the confidence of the sacrifice of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. All right. But I want to get, I want to, I want to get this voice. <laughs> oh, yes. I wanted to get this voice. Uh, anyway, before we go there, let's go back to first finish chapter two. We're still not done here. So I was just trying to, for us to see, even in first Corinthians chapter one, how much they're talking about, about his sacrifice. And so it goes on to say in verse 25, because the foolishness of men is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you, for you see yourself, you see your, your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God had chosen the foolishness of the world to confirm the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confirm the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised that God chosen, yea, and the things that are not, to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. <laughs> well, Christ is made unto us. He is, the, he is made unto us. He is the sacrifice. He is the sacrificial lamb of God. Amen? And righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glories, he that boasts, let him glory in the Lord. Now, it's interesting. If you're going to boast anywhere, boast in the Lord. Now, here is this interesting scripture. Don't turn to it, but Galatians 6.14 says, I will rather, I, I, um, I will, I will, let me turn to it. <laughs> Galatians 6.14, glory. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. In other words, I'm, God forbid that I should glory and boast only in this, in the cross, which means in the sacrifice of Christ. 
But here we see First Corinthians 131 that according as it's written, he that glorieth. Let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in Christ. Let him glory in what he has done. That's what it's referring to. Galatians says, glory in with the sacrifice. Amen? So, now we go into chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech trying to impress you, or of wisdom, man's wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. The testimony of God, what God testifies. <laughs> Amen? And you know why I did that? You know why I didn't come with, with fancy language and I didn't come with all these gymnastics and all of this, all that stuff? Verse 2, because I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I determined to know nothing among you except you crucified with him and it is the life of Christ living in you. I determined to know nothing among you except, I don't want to know whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, what kind of house you have, what has happened in your life, what about your history, or any of that. I'm not concerned about any of that, how many scriptures you know, where you went to, I'm not concerned who your parents, no. All I'm concerned about is, I'm only concerned about Christ and him crucified. I'm concerned about the life of Christ that, is, that you're walking in, that is manifested in you, and I'm concerned about the reality of you being crucified with him. Do you always bear about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Christ might be made manifest? Paul says, that's what I'm concerned about. I was with you in, in, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your confidence would be in the sacrifice and not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, which is the declaration and the voice of the sacrifice. Can you see that? Hallelujah. Now, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 4 and verse 7, look at Paul's mindset. I mean, you couldn't impress him. <laughs> right? Uh, chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Timothy, sorry. Now, Paul said, all I determined was to know Jesus and him crucified in you. Do you think he kept the same standard for himself? Right? Paul said, my testimony is, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, he says, I have, this is at the end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight. I've finished the course. And I've kept what? I have kept the confidence in the sacrifice of Christ. I have kept myself bound to the sacrifice of Christ. I've kept myself being in that place of the sacrifice of Christ. And in that place of the sacrifice of Christ, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lived in me. Paul said, I've come to the end of my life, and I could say I fought a good fight. Right? 
and I've kept the faith. I fought a good fight. Well, didn't Paul say that I fight the good fight to fight the good fight of what? Faith. Fight to stay in that place of confidence in the sacrifice. Don't let anything in the environment or anything anywhere move you out of that place. Of the confidence in the sacrifice and the living in that place. Philippians 3 verse 9, Paul says that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of God. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed even unto his death. You go read Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 and 10, Paul is saying, I want to be found right here in the sacrifice, period. I don't want to have any identification outside of that. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10, he says, I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life also of Christ might be made manifested. Jesus says, this is the works of God. This is the... This is the works of God. Yes. You should believe in the one he sent. Absolutely. And so that the sacrifice is Jesus. Mm -hmm. All the things he did, all the things he said, he said That's and right. all the things that happened. Yes. Absolutely. He's the embodiment of it all. Yes. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Paul says, Watch ye, stand fast, stand fast in the faith. Now, we just understand what is the faith? Confidence in the sacrifice. Con so stand fast where then? In the confidence in the sacrifice. Stand fast in the confidence of the sacrifice. Live there. <laughs> Don't move. No, that was um, First Corinthians 16, verse 13. But let's flip to 1 Corinthians 15. So Paul was telling us, but what Paul tells us to do, he also did. He says, this is where I live. Amen? He says, I live here. <laughs> right? When you come searching for me, that's what you, you, I, 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 you're not going to find me uh, being in that place where, 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 like Peter was, where Peter, where, where, where Peter was in a place where um, he was with the Jews, he was with the Gentiles, and when the Jews came, he began to act funny and, and, and so on. Paul says, no. The only reason Peter had that problem is because Peter didn't recognize that he was crucified with Christ. And he wasn't walking upright in the gospel. Galatians 2 verse 14. But Paul says, not me. I don't have that problem because I'm crucified. And it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lived in me. This is where I live. If my confidence was in the works of the law and my doings and my performance, then Jesus would have died in vain. That's what he said in Galatians 2 verse 20 and 21. So in 1st Corinthians chapter 15, but we're reading this because what is the Lord saying to us? He's saying that we have to have confidence in the sacrifice. That's why we need to know what has been accomplished. Because it's the very essence and it's the strength. And it is, the, it is what makes faith easy. It's what makes faith simple. Confidence in the sacrifice. Confidence in crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, in the blood, in the name, etc. Confidence in the sacrifice. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which is the sacrifice of Christ. I, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received. Wherein you stand? Where do you stand? You stand in that gospel that I preached to you. You stand in that sacrifice, by which also you are saved. You are saved if you stay there in that sacrifice. Because why? It's the power of God. 
The preaching of it is the power of God. By which also you are saved if, if you keep in memory what I have preached. If your consciousness and your thinking remains with what I have preached, which is that sacrifice. In other words, you've got to have a conscious awareness and a mental mindset that is so bound and tied up with the, with the sacrifice that you remain there and you don't move and you stay in this place where you're crucified with him, where you're raised up with him, where you now have his life, where you have the authority of his, of his name, where you're washed by his blood, where you're, where, where you're free from guilt and condemnation and insecurity, where all of these promises do, are, are revealing the nature of God that is inside of you. So he said you live in that place and if you live in this place, you shall be saved. Not just being born again, your soul is even going to be saved. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, that word of the sacrifice. It is able to save your soul. It is able to deliver your mind, your will, and your emotions as well. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lamana koto korobo kodobo. Heketeka rabako rabakande ngandaya. Ha 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 ha. Oh, remenga ndengandaya. Mengandando, romonoko, rebekike, rebeko, rabakataba. I kept using the phrase, the word of the sacrifice, the word of the sacrifice, the sacrifice having a voice, the sacrifice speaking. And I said a few things here and there. But I never proved it directly. Let me very, very quickly give you just a few verses of scripture. First Timothy chapter 4. And because we understand that when we hear the word faith now, we understand it is what? Confidence in the sacrifice, right? So, First Timothy chapter 4. It says, If you put the brethren in remembrance of these, you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished up in the words of faith in the words of confidence in the sacrifice. Amen? There are words connected up to the sacrifice of Christ. And the declarations of those words is power. 1 Timothy 4 verse. That was what? 1 Timothy 4 verse. 4, 4 verse 6, sorry. Nourished up in the words of faith, which is the words of the sacrifice, the words of the sacrifice, of the confidence in the sacrifice. Give me, let me give you another scripture. It says in, but I want you to hear the word, the speaking part. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. Now, we don't have time to go through it, but 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10, Paul was saying, always bearing about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. My identification with that sacrifice, that the life also of Christ might also be revealed. And, and then verse 11 about that life showing up in my mortal flesh. And then in verse 13 he says, we have in the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of this confidence in the sacrifice, according as it is written. We believe and therefore we also speak. Amen. The Bible also says in another place, in Romans chapter 10, verse 6, that the righteousness which is of faith speaks. 
The righteousness which is of this confidence in the sacrifice, it speaks. What does it say? God come up, God come down, Christ come up, Christ come down. No. What does it say? It says you talk like God. You speak to the mountain. The word is near you, even in your mouth. You speak the word, which is Christ himself is right here. Speak and let him be released. That's what it says. So how then shall they hear without a preacher? How are they going to hear this good news about the sacrifice of Christ and what he did for them without somebody telling them? But when somebody speaks to them the word of the sacrifice, then what happened? Faith, confidence in the sacrifice comes from hearing and hearing the word of the sacrifice. Amen? But the word of the sacrifice will have to be spoken. And when it's spoken, it's the power of God unto salvation, even to those that didn't believe, if they would just believe it. And the word of the sacrifice will, will ignite within them the measure of faith that God has put in every man, which is the capacity to believe the sacrifice. Amen? In every culture, no matter where it is on this planet, every human being has been so designed with God, by God, having eternity inside of him, that there's a capacity to believe the sacrifice of Christ. It's universal. It is. That's why Paul says, I'm a debtor. I owe every man this stuff. And this sacrifice is so awesome, so powerful, the declaration of it, that the Bible speaks in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, about the unity of the faith. The unity of the sacrifice of Christ. People run around the place and they try to get some meeting together with the Pentecostals and with the Catholic and with the Baptists and with the Presbyterian and with, the, and with this religious group and all these various groups and trying to get them into unity. And it doesn't work. First of all, it's not the unity of the spirit, but also too. It is the spirit that has the power to produce that unity. Ephesians chapter 4, I think verse 2 or 3. But also Ephesians 4 verse 13 says the unity it says the unity of the faith. That it will all come to the unity of the faith. The unity of the sacrifice of Christ. The unity of the confidence in that sacrifice. If there is one thing every Christian denominational group has in common is that Jesus died and was raised up from the dead. So that sacrifice has power to unify us. And it has power to reach the loss. Because the preaching and the declaration of that sacrifice, faith coming. By hearing and hearing the word of that sacrifice. And that word is the power of God unto salvation. So we are a debtor. We, gotta, we must not be ashamed. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this thing. I'll preach it anywhere to anybody, sinner or saint, Presbyterian or Catholic or whoever. Amen? Hallelujah. It is the power of God.